Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Tuesday Takes on Takes episode of the show. Kyle, it is Takes on Takes 99. Welcome. Yeah, this, how weird is that? We've done nearly 100 episodes of this concept of literally just, hey, send us your crazy opinions and we'll react to them as we go. What a great concept. And uh, we've got a special guest here for Draft Dudes Takes on Takes 99, none other than Dre Harris. Uh, what's up, guys? Of, what's, Dre, what's up, dude, man? It's a, This is fun, man. I'm, I'm excited to have you on and for hey. you to uh, deal with these crazy takes people send into us. <laughs> man, it's great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, let's rock. I'm ready to get to it. All right. Well, Kyle, this first one. Has got you written all over it. Oh, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, a good guy. I, I, I'm liking Kevin. I like more, Kevin. I, I like Kevin. More but not in, today. No, Ky, this is Kevin's best work. Kevin says, my favorite Dolphins guy, Kyle Krabs, has his Homer goggles on. No offseason, no uh, new offense, new coaching staff, bungled the 18 and 19 drafts, except for two. I like the plan, but not the players taken. There's holes at offensive tackle and free safety. Will derail the Dolphins season six and ten. Okay, well, first of all, Kevin, I'm predicting the Dolphins to go eight and eight in our draft dudes expansion draft exercise that we're in the process of working on right now. So for all this homerism, is homerism worth two games? Going to come out the gate swinging at me. Joe, let me ask you this. Do you think the Dolphins bungled the 18 and 19 drafts? Uh, I, I think I can look at them, and I think, I think I can say I see the plan, but I wouldn't have picked those players in okay. many of those spots. Now, Dre, let me ask you this. Sure. Do you think the Dolphins, with their decision to – prefer and target I know you're a DB guy right you know you played in the secondary the Dolphins roster construction seems to indicate that they are favoring secondary over pass rush what is your thought on that approach for the Dolphins knowing Brian Flores comes from a New England Patriots background I think that you have to keep in uh keep you know mind that those two uh both the front and the um and the secondary are two areas of the defense that have to be completely uh, in lockstep. Um, so, you know, you can't necessarily uh, improve one without necessarily addressing the other. Um, so, uh, we would like to think that, that at some point they'll uh, they'll continue to address both of them. Um, but uh, you definitely have to address your front at some, at some point if there is an emphasis uh, on the secondary for sure. Okay. Now. Dolphins came out. They signed Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson, Camus Gruger Hill, who's going to push Raquan McMillan for a starting role. We added Byron Jones to the mix and Igbo to the mix. Listen, I think 
seven to nine wins is a realistic, hopeful, optimistic, but still realistic outcome for the Dolphins. And I don't think that makes me a homer, Joe. I don't have a problem with eight and eight, but I do think that there is a difference between a six and 10 football team and an eight and eight football team. So I do, I do, I hear what you're saying on the two game gap, but I I do think when you're, I just feel like they are different. Okay. That's two bounces of the ball, man. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I think the thing they need to continue to do is be able to address, uh, being able to run the football. I think that would take a ton of pressure off to, um, they need Mm -hmm. to address, uh, their, uh, continue to address their situation in the, uh, uh, in the backfield. And I think that um, that, that, will, that, that will go one is taking a lot of pressure off to going into the 2020 season. So um, that's an area of offense they certainly need to address. All right. Well, I don't think Kevin and I are just going to get lock and step here. So we're going to go ahead and move on. Uh, a take from Jack. And, Joe, this one's headed your way. We talked about this uh, yesterday on Draft Dudes to some degree, talking about the Detroit Lions. The NFC North will see two coaches fired this year after the Lions and Bears both failed to win seven games with Nagy and Patricia being sent off to find greener pastures. I love the – I like this take because I feel like this is this is pretty spicy, and I appreciate Jack delivering the goods here. I agree that – Matt Patricia is out in Detroit after this year. However, I think that the Bears would have to completely bottom out for Matt Nagy to be gone. We're talking about a guy that went 12 and 4, then 8 and 8. He's 20 and 12 in two seasons with the Chicago Bears. I mean, he I think we're talking three or less wins for Matt Nagy to be gone. I think he's safe. If he touches wow. seven wins, if he touches five, six, seven wins. Matt Nagy's safe. I, I I actually completely agree uh, with what Joe said because I think that while Pace has done uh, Matt Nagy no favors, um, I think that Foles will propel uh, Chicago to hover in the 500 area. Um, it, it it will be tough with no OTAs and camp so forth with uh, with how things have changed with COVID. Um, but I think when you add John DiFilippo uh, and some creative play calling. And Juan Castillo, I think those are two additions that are underrated. And I think it propels uh, Nagy to to continue to keep his job uh, going into next year for sure. So Dre actually drops a take that I'm going to give to you, Joe. Nick Foles will win the starting job over Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago. So you're saying week one starter, week one starter, Nick Foles. All I heard was Dre said Nick Foles will keep the Bears around 500. So take that for what you will. (laughs) Okay, here's how I'll I'll address that. I think Mitch Trubisky is your starting quarterback to start the season. At some point, though, Nick Foles does take over. You know, I think that that there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on both Pace and Nagy, um, which is probably why this is also a take. Um, and I think that they're going to try to put their best foot forward. I think they know what they have, you know, in Mitch. And Mitch has been hot and cold. He's been really inconsistent. Um, I think they go into the season the season trying to get off uh, to a good start. If they did start Mitch, it would only be because Nick Foles hasn't had the opportunity to have OTAs uh, and all the offseason things like a normal year uh, would be. So, well, All I know is this. Uh, our boss, Paige DeMacos, is very excited to hear 
that Dre is on today's episode of Draft Dude, so I guarantee you she's listening, and she is an avid Bears fan, so I'd be willing to bet we hear something about this conversation before the end of the day today. So I want to see. I want Paige's thoughts on that. Like, what what does Matt Nagy have to do this year to lose his job? And I think he has to bottom out completely. Yes. I can tell you, she's uh, she's going to want Mitch to start. But, Paige, you can tell me if I'm wrong. All right. <laughs> I think that the I think that the person in the Bears organization that the most pressure is on is Ryan Pace. Um, I think that Pace has done uh, them no favors as far as draft picks go, and 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 uh, as far as doing uh, doing his job. And even prior to hiring uh, Matt, um, Ryan was on the hot seat. He sort of saved himself uh, with what was considered like a home run hire with Nagy. Um, but I think the pressure, if there's any pressure on anybody within the Bears organization i think it's right pace more than anyone mm-hmm. now dre i'm gonna give this one to you this one comes from owen in the tdm premium slack and it's sure. about one of your guys in the pack 12 owen thinks that paulson adebo will be the number one cornerback in next year's draft fire away Ooh, that is a take um I think that once the process concludes, uh, uh, concludes that Paulson will certainly be in the conversation for sure. Um, but I do think that there is a certain bias uh, with guys who play in the Pac-10. And I do think that um, that once the process, uh, once these players have gone through the process and it's concluded, I believe it's probably going to be Sertain uh, or someone from the SEC. But but I do think that Paulson Debo has a very good chance if he stays uh, stays consistent um, um, because he did have an up and down year this past year, which is why he stayed uh, stayed in school. Um, I think if he stays consistent, he'll certainly be in the in the conversation uh, for the first round for sure. Caleb Farley, CB one, Virginia Tech. That's my guy. I'm ready to buy. I'm ready to buy that, <laughs> brother. Fun it's wide game. open, man. It's wide open. It is. All right, Kyle. Here we go. This one comes from Michael to you. You've been doing a Send lot of work it. on this. No, 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 no. This is Grayson. I know who this is. This well, is Grayson. Because all these people in TDN Premium, they change their names, and I never know who they are. Yeah, I don't well, even know who not, you are in there, He's Kyle. not actually – I'm Air, uh, Air, Raid, Air Raid Certified Papa because I run the Air Raid in that. <laughs> and uh, the, yesterday you were Lurk Papa. I mean, I, I, I can't even keep up with this. Uh, okay, name, so – Thanks, Joe. Grayson Grayson says, take. Michigan had a college top five receiving core in Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Ronnie Bell, Giles Jackson, and Nico Collins, but it was held back by terrible quarterback play from Shea Patterson. Well, listen, I will say this. Grayson's on to something with Shea Patterson not being good quarterback play. Um, Thrived in the chaos. Consistency and structure was not great. Uh, decision-making process was erratic at best. I think from a physical skill set perspective, I can get behind this take. Do I think Michigan and, and the polish of these players, they were the, one of the top five most polished receiving groups in the country? Maybe not. But I think certainly when you, when you take into account Peoples-Jones and his explosiveness, uh, Nico Collins and Tariq Black with their height, weight, speed, Ronnie Bell, short area quickness. I think this is a very athletically gifted wide receiver room and certainly one of the most athletically gifted 
in the country last year, not that you would know it based on the production on the Michigan passing offense. Well, uh, let's see. Maybe they can turn the corner at quarterback this year. Well, uh, all right. Let's uh, let's see here, Joe. We got a take from Mitch, and this one's for you. Uh, the top part of the AAC, UCF, Cincinnati, Memphis, and SMU, is better football to watch than the Pac-12s, Oregon, Washington, USC, and ASU. Ooh, good grief. <laughs> Casting some shade at Dre's country, man. Oh, my gosh. So first thing I want to say here is that I love football. I remember it was the the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl. What was the score of that game? 10 to 3, right? Everybody's bitching no, about. It was, it was like 17 to 7 or something. Whatever it was. People are bitching. Oh, there's not enough points. This is bad football. I like it all. I like a defensive struggle. I like the track meets, okay? Give me all the football. Now, with that said, I'm going to need Dre to close his ears. I think I know exactly where Joe's going. (laughs) Former Pac uh, Pac Ten cornerback Dre Harris uh, with 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 the Cal Bears. Uh, No, yeah, I I, I've enjoyed. I've dug into the AAC a bunch uh, this summer, uh, getting ready for obviously the 2020 season, and I've I've been assigned the AAC, so I've watched all of these teams quite a bit, and I really have enjoyed them. And I think the of those teams, Cincinnati's been the one that I've enjoyed the most. I think they're really multiple. Uh, on offense, they can do a lot of different things. Desmond Ritter is a real joy to watch at quarterback, in my view, even though he's not the most consistent. And defensively, man, they get after you uh, at Cincinnati. And, you know, you got some really dynamic offenses there. Memphis has been really productive with all kinds of different playmakers that continue to get drafted. You know, they've had a, a they're going to have a, a top, uh, top three round running back drafted for three consecutive years after Kenneth Gainwell uh, comes out this year to go with, uh, Daryl Henderson and and last year, uh, Antonio Gibson. So I've really enjoyed the AAC. The problem for me, I say every single Saturday that I'm going to watch college football till my eyes bleed, but man, these 1030 starts on on the West coast, some of them 11 o'clock on my time. I I only can make it for the first half. Maybe I I ever stayed awake for the second half of a PAC 12 game. I could say differently, but right now I'm all in on the AAC. I think a few things, you know, when listening to the take uh, is better football to watch than the Pac-12. I um, I think you could make the argument that it may be more exciting. I think there are certainly some exciting offenses in the AC. We need to talk about SMU, who's led uh, Dykes, who, who uh, clearly was disciple of the air raid. And then you have Mike Norvell from Memphis, uh, who's a up-and-coming head coach, uh, has done a great job, and I remember him when he was offensive coordinator at Arizona State. And, you, of course, you have Josh Heupel uh, at UCF. So when you talk about maybe more exciting as far as offenses go, um, certainly uh, I could possibly make the argument. But when you talk about better football, I think I'd have to completely disagree um, because two of the teams you named in the Pac-12 could have more players drafted in the 2021 draft than all four of the AAC uh, teams that you named. Preach. I mean, Preach. So, so are we talking about more exciting uh, or are we talking about better? Because I, I think those uh, those two are different for sure. We didn't even get a mention for Utah here. I right. love watching Utah play oh, football. Absolutely. And they've, uh, they've been scoring points. They've been putting people uh, in the National Football League for the past few years. Uh, they've, they've, they, they have continued to establish themselves as a good program. I mean, so they're definitely uh, in the conversation for – uh, one of the better uh, Pac-12 uh, programs for sure. 
Okay, now I'm going to baptize you, Dre, here with takes sure. on takes. Anytime yeah. we do this, we usually go off the reservation for a take that is not included. Mm-hmm. I have one, and I want both of your opinions. Mm-hmm. It's more of a question than a statement. Sure. And I need your response, both of you guys. Completely nothing to do with football. Okay. <clears throat> General Mills. Joe, you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready, I guess. <laughs> General, General Mills, what do they make? Cereal? Yes, yeah. General Mills hires you and you have to decide which one of the pieces from the checks mix to eliminate which do you, which piece of checks mix do you eliminate from the mix and the bag they've got the mini breadstick the rye chip the square pretzel the circle pretzel the corn checks which is the light one and the wheat checks which is the dark one uh the the one of the checks they're redundant they're absolutely redundant so get get rid of the uh the darker colored checks mix piece. It's the wheat check. Yeah, it's it's unnecessary and redundant. Okay, Dre, I'm hoping for a better answer than that. I'm going to say the breadstick for some reason. Yeah, not a not a breadstick guy. Um, it, yeah, I mean, as soon as you said it, I, I you know, I said a breadstick. Yeah, the mini breadstick is trash. Yeah, straight bad trash. Take. The bad for taste. Sure. It's horrible. I had for some sure. of that for lunch today. No, I'm not, no, those are, that's a bad, you want double, you want all those, the, what, what is the difference between the two checks pieces in there? I don't know. They're like salted differently. I don't know, but it's better than the mini breadstick. Yeah. Consistency's not even good. It tastes like a stale crouton. I'd have bad. to agree. Bad. I'd, have, I'd have to agree. All right, let's bring this back to football now. Dre, yeah. last week on this on, on our scouting staff meetings, you talked to everybody about Zamir White, the running back from Georgia. And mm-hmm. we have a take from Michael that's got your name written all over. Sure. It says, Zamir White is Leonard Fournette without production. Ooh. I like the comparison um, on one hand. I mean, certainly uh, they're both physical. They're downhill guys. Um uh, but I think part of what made Fournette who he is is production. I mean, so you can't necessarily say that he's uh, he's uh, Fournette without the production. This guy was extremely productive in high school uh, and in college. I remember watching Fournette uh, when he was a high school player. I mean, so um, to say, uh, I think that that's a big part of uh, what made Leonard Fournette who he is. And um, White has yet to remain healthy or produce uh, during his time um, at Georgia. So um, I think he's going to need a big year, uh, mainly to stay healthy and just prove that he can uh, be who everyone thought he could be when he was coming out of high school. So I think this is going to be a big year for Samir White for sure. All right, Kyle, this one's uh, coming your way from Rahul. I think this is a good take. This is a good take. Of all the, It's not for you, so give it to me. Well, I chose that it was for you, so I can preface it with some fluff if I want to, Kyle. Of all the features on offer with TDN Premium, the best unequivocally is access to the TDN Premium Slack channel. I'll say this for the Premium Slack channel. They have created their own little mini subculture uh, that's been really fun to observe and watch, and they talk about sports and they talk about random and video games and and prospects and watching tape and there's a group of guys in there that are are trying to make careers in the industry and they're they're kind of bouncing ideas off each other and they're doing mock drafts nonstop. it 
I don't know if I could pick just one, to be honest with you, because I, I, I love the trade functionality. I love the fact that we have um, deep dive content available for fans of every individual team tailored specifically to your team. I love the premium Slack culture that they've established there. So I'm, I'm going to take the field here, Joe, but the field includes the Slack channel. A lot of good features. A lot of good all features. Right. All right, all right, all right, all right. I got one for you here, Joe. My producer, Joe, determined this was for you. So, <laughs> okay. cool, uh, cool. Halil's real football talk. Uh, my two takes for the week. Oh, wow, you get two and one. Okay. Jedrick Wills was the best offensive tackle prospect not named Laramie Tunsil in the last decade. And Penay Sewell will be better than both. And then Julio Jones is a greater all-time wide receiver than Megatron Calvin Johnson. Okay, so the second half of that, the Julio Jones Calvin Johnson, I am not a hair splitter. You know, I think I think we get into these weird debates sometimes. Like you take two elite, you know, historically outstanding football players, and you split hairs over who was better. When I'm, I don't know. I'm just not gonna do it. They're both great football players, and I'm not gonna sit here and put down either one of them. So I, I'm I am gonna pass on addressing that. Let me ask you this, guys: Is 2010 considered in the last decade? 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. No, it was 11 drafts ago. Okay, because Trent Williams, <laughs> I think, I think is a better prospect than Jedrick Wills, but I love Jedrick Wills, and I will, I will agree with that piece of this take that Jedrick Wills is the best offensive tackle prospect in the last day, decade. Not named wow. Jeremy Tensel. Well, look at the, I did the inventory before the show, and the, the only player that I was willing to emphatically say yes I liked better than Jedrick coming out was Trent Williams. And we just established that he was not in the last decade. Now, Penny Sewell, that is a player that I have not studied, but Dre Harris has, I mean, are, are you, are you putting Sewell up here with the elite offensive tackle prospects of the last 10 years? I think it's too early to, to give him that type of, distinction yet i mean he's certainly talented and dominant um but i do think he needs some, to clean up some things uh with regards to his technique um to to help him to take that next step i mean he, he he's raw in certain aspects he's a, but he plays well he doesn't get beat he's tough he's strong the thing that i will say about jedrick is that he was technically sound man i mean and those guys uh they come from alabama they're typically pro a more pro, uh, more prepared to play in the national uh, national football league because they're getting pro coaching in college. I mean, so they're from a technical standpoint, typically more prepared uh, to play uh, on Sundays. But to say uh, he was the best in the last ten years, I mean, I'd have to look. But uh, ooh, that's high cotton though. That's that's high cotton for sure. Well, let me let me kick you this one. Sure. Dre, this one's for you. Okay. No one has had a bigger glow up in the NFL the past 18 months than Cardinals general manager Steve Kine. He was ridiculed for firing a first-year head coach after one season and replacing him with a college coach with a losing record and moving on from a top-10 quarterback draft selection after one year for an unconventional quarterback prospect. Fast forward to now. 
Cliff and Kyler are one of the most exciting head coaching quarterback duos in the NFL. And after stealing DeAndre Hopkins, Arizona is poised to be one of the most exciting teams going forward. A lot to dig into. Steve may get the comeback of the year award. The Arizona fans, the Red Sea was down on Steve for a long time. Tons of bad draft picks, tons of misses in the first round. In fact, um, can't necessarily think of one <clears throat> one hit he's had for a first a first round pick uh, since he's been at the helm. Maybe Humphreys, but he's still a little bit inconsistent. Um, he had not signed any of his draft picks to a second contract prior to this offseason signing DJ Humphreys to a three your deal if that isn't an indictment on the players you've drafted i mean that that just says you know a ton i mean but steve may get the comeback of the year award he was given an ultimatum by ownership that he had to hit it out of the park um he had a uh he had a bad dui and he seemingly hit a home run drafting kyler um who who fortunately uh, played in the same system he played in high school and in college, and he's now playing in that system in the National Football League. And it just seems to be a marriage made in heaven. And the Cardinals are going to be one of the most exciting teams uh, in the league for probably the next 10 years. Um, all they have to do is stay healthy, get some consistency up front. Their offensive line, for as long as I can remember, has been in influx. They've been injured. They have not played well. But if they can get some consistency up front, play well, and protect Kyler, be able to run the football with Drake, they could challenge for a wild card in maybe the most competitive conference in the National Football League this year. I believe if, if they stay healthy, they can challenge for a wild card. So, yeah, I think Steve Kahn gets to come back up the year award for sure. All right. Very, very interesting. And uh, look, I give them credit for being bold and the narrative has quickly changed there in the desert. Uh, Kyle, this one's interesting. Kevin says in schedule predictions, team coming teams coming off their bye week should not have any implied advantage in the 2019 season teams coming off their bye week had a combined record of 11 and 21. And then Kevin continues to provide some information here that uh, tells us that since 2010, the teams coming off of a bye week have a total record of 163, 155, and 2 for a win percentage of 51.25%. There are more wins than losses there? <laughs> <laughs> KC in the house. <laughs> okay, I'm just, just I guess we're, sure. I guess we're done here, huh? <laughs> Listen, we we needed we needed to be minus ten this past year to get that close to five hundred. Yeah, mm. you know, statistic anomalies. You know, he Kevin was nice enough to break this thing down for us year by year. Two thousand and fourteen, we were twelve and twenty, and two thousand and nineteen, we were eleven and twenty one. Every other year, it's it's five hundred or better. So, I'll I'll give the implied advantage and roll the dice that it's not going to be that one every five year anomaly year. Cal, we know I'm not Especially a math guy. We just had it. Right. We all know that I'm not a math guy, but I, no, I can concur that 163 <laughs> is a higher number than 155. <laughs> okay. okay. Sounds about right. All right. I think this though, that uh, in the national football league, that the longer you have to prepare, I think it's, I think it's very, 
important, man. I mean, because uh, they're short weeks. I mean, especially with travel, if you have to play cross country. I mean, so I think the more time you have to prepare, it certainly gives you a better advantage. Uh, now, it doesn't clearly it doesn't always equate to wins. I think it gives you a better, uh, more um, and more opportunity to prepare. I mean, which should ultimately put you in a better position to win. But you still have My to. Guy. But you still have to play the game, though. So. My guy, Dre, speaking common sense. Now we got three more takes here, guys. This one, Joe, I'm gonna give to you because you're you're from Charlotte, unless you're talking to somebody <laughs> from Charlotte. That's right. right? Did I get that right? Okay. Okay. Nailed it. Yep. Okay, so Joe was born in Buffalo, moved to Charlotte. So anytime anybody in Charlotte asks him, where are you from? He says, I'm from Buffalo. But anytime he asks anybody else, they say, well, I'm from Charlotte. <laughs> so Joe, Curtis Samuel will have a breakout season with Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator in 2020. I feel like people have been preaching breakout year for Curtis Samuel for a while. And, I mean, he's he's gotten consistently better in the NFL. I mean, his production – in terms of receptions, yards, and touchdowns, they've gone up every single year since his rookie season. And we have to remember Curtis Samuel, a guy at Ohio State who played kind of a hybrid role running back slash wide receiver and was not overly polished in either area, but you could tell he was a very good athlete. So, you know, here's the thing is he was kind of the number two guy in Carolina the last two seasons. Now he comes into this situation where we think under Joe Brady, a spread offense with Teddy Bridgewater, that they're going to throw the football a lot more, and that would naturally lead to more opportunities for Curtis Samuel. Now, keep in mind, Curtis Samuel was targeted 105 times last year, but his catch percentage was only 51.4%, which is pretty disappointing. Now, you go to an offense that will potentially throw the ball more, but DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are on this depth chart. Curtis Samuel's going to be the third option. So I'm not sure he's able to really claim all that more in terms of market share when it comes to targets. He's going to be the fourth once you get Christian McCaffrey in there. Sure. Yeah, you you factor that in there as well. So I don't know that he gets more than 105 or, you know, 100 to 110 targets, probably less if we're being honest. Now, if he can be more consistent turning targets into catches, uh, that will be helpful, and obviously a, a better quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater than Kyle Allen will help with that. But I don't know. If, to me, if he had 627 receiving yards last year, I don't think he gets more than 800 this year. So if 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 you think if you think uh, he needs more than 800 yards to be for it to be considered a breakout year, then I am saying the breakout year for Curtis Samuel does not happen in 2020. You know, I think that with uh, uh, if you look at how uh, Joe. Brady used Chase and Jefferson. I think that there is there are re- there's definitely reason for Panther fans to be optimistic though about Samuel. I think that with Anderson and Moore on the outside, it could ultimately take the pressure off of Curtis Samuel to um, be singled up some, especially when you have Christian McCaffrey too. Uh, so he's going to face a lot of heavy uh, heavy boxes and so forth. So it could. All these things combined, mixed with Joe Brady, who clearly has a history of using his uh, using his weapons and spreading the ball around, I think that there could be some reason for Panther fans to be optimistic about Samuel going into the season. But uh, Dre, I mean, do you think this is a a player that can contest for? I mean, are you do you think he gets over eight hundred receiving yards this year? No, 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 no. I think there's there's still only one football. You, you still have Anderson and you have Moore and Caffrey. All those guys are going to. Uh, command the football on the perimeter in some way. I mean, so no, I can't see that, but uh, it, it isn't necessarily um, 
about the number of targets or whatnot. It's what he does, what he gets it, you know. So yeah. hopefully he can get the football and be productive when he does get it and 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 uh, prove to be an uh, to prove to be an asset for the Panthers. Real quick, am I an, am I an idiot for suggesting maybe they should spend some more time with Samuel in the backfield? Joe, you and I throughout the course of, of doing this podcast for the last couple of years, we've talked a lot about the workload that they're putting on Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, if Joe Brady wants to get creative and he talks about, you know, going empty sets or, or he wants to talk about getting the backs involved in the passing game, Curtis Samuel had 172 rush attempts. Uh, he had 65 more rush attempts than he had receptions in Ohio State over three years. Like, he has some experience being a player in the backfield. So, like, is there an opportunity there for Chris, or for Curtis Samuel to maybe get some more production by being used alternatively as, in some two-back sets in, in the gun and, and trying to get him matched up on linebackers and running away from guys in man coverage and stuff like that, or am I dumb? No, I love it, Kyle. And what's not sustainable is Christian McCaffrey playing 90-plus percent of the snaps every year for the Carolina Panthers in the backfield. That, that That's not sustainable. You want to give him the football a lot. He needs to be the focal point of your offense, but that's just too much to enjoy Christian McCaffrey for as long as they're paying him, <laughs> you know, to be quite honest with you. And one thing that we've talked about that's been really interesting about the depth that they've built behind McCaffrey is they've not – they they want they want power guys. They're his his top three backups right now are Reggie Bonifant, Jordan Scarlett, and Mike Davis. Those are bowling balls. Those are bangers between the tackles. And for me, I would want a player that can do more of what McCaffrey does, and I can replicate uh, more of uh, of McCaffrey by not having McCaffrey on the field. So kind of getting the best of both worlds. So Kyle, I am all over that idea, and I can only hope Joe Brady does that. And I think it'd be best for Samuel. I think it'd be best for McCaffrey, and I and ultimately best for the Panthers' offense. Or we got a we got a couple of fun uh, fun wild things to dig into here as we close out the podcast. This one we're all going to deal with. This comes from Alan. Alan says humanity is in danger of extinction. A ship can take humans to another planet. Choose a leader for the colony and a general to protect the launch site from hordes of aliens. The leader and general can only be current NFL players. So. The launch site is under attack by aliens and could be overrun before the ship launches. So the what general has to be brave and smart, whatever qualities a leader of warriors has. As for the colony leader, who would you want running the world? So so this is about which current NFL player we would want to guard the launch site and then lead the new colony. You have to come up with two players. Oh, two players. Yeah, there's two. Th- so who, who you want as the general to to guard this launch site and then who you want leading the new colony right well my leader for the new colony um i'd have to say brady i think it'd have to be tom for the way he inspires uh you know an entire unit um who i'd want to to protect the launch site from hordes um maybe indomitian sue oh. <laughs> Oh, he's going. He's no, going with the savage. I like it. You want a guy that's that's the first guy off of the bus who's gonna um, be tough and 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 protect the long side. I'm going with Indomitian, first guy off the bus. Joe, come on. I need a little time here. <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna go next for the. Second. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> for a leader, I'm gonna pick Russ Wilson. He's charismatic. 
You know, he so so he's going to be the leader of my colony. I'll pick Russell Wilson. For the general, I think I was thinking about like a, a really cerebral defensive player, but I'm going to pivot here and I'm going to guy I'm going to pick a guy whose entire job description revolves around protecting an asset. And I'm going to go with the meanest offensive lineman that I can think of. I'm going to go with Quentin Nelson mm. as the general because he's, a, like Dre said, he's a beast. He's a first off the bus kind of dude. He's super physical. He's mean. He has that edge to him. And he's probably one of the last dudes that I would like to, to come head up with in the hole if I was trying to fill a hole and play defense and pass protections, the name of his game. So I'm going to go with Quentin Nelson as my general. It's a good one, Casey. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. To protect my colony. I, I, I like the direction you went there, Kyle, but I don't like the person you picked. Give me what? Richie incognito okay. to defend okay. the colony. You want to talk about, I mean, look, maybe he's not as good of a player as Quentin Nelson's going to be in the league, but my God, this guy's an animal. And I know that he's going to put everything on the line uh, to compete for me. As for my leader of the new world, you guys left him right there for me. Give me Pat Mahomes as the guy to lead this new, I don't know, <laughs> colony forward. You can't, you can't pick a guy that puts ketchup on his steak. Instead of- <laughs> Look, we've all got our, we've all right. got our flaws, but that's what I'm going with. Joe, my my only issue with the incognito pick is that Richie may get you beat. He may get you killed. I mean, he he is penalty prone. I mean, he may kill a few people and protect a few people, yes, but he may also kill you. I mean, the mm-hmm. people that are on his very team. I mean, so um, there has to be a level of, of intelligence that goes with the toughness and protection. So, uh, yeah. Listen, it was a great battle, I'll tell you that, but you're right. We might not We might not got on the ship. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, last, last take of the day comes from our good friend Vontel, who, you know, this would not be an episode of Takes on Takes, without a question, a hypothetical question from Vontel. So I ask you both now, in a full 16-game season, would you rather play in zero-degree weather or play in 100-degree humid weather for all 16 games and why? I want to go go first here because Dre Dre can really, like, answer this question because he's probably played in all the different elements. (laughs) I've only only played high school football, and I've done it in the state of North Carolina, and it's hot. This was before there was mandatory water breaks and all that type of stuff, man. We're crawling, we're bear crawling up hills in the middle of July in North Carolina. Okay. So I've done this. I've played in the heat. I've learned to my, I've learned a lot about myself through the years and in, in, in my appetite for weather. And I, I think most people, cause we get into weather a lot in this podcast. A lot of people are going to expect me to pick the zero degree weather, but I'm telling you right now, I am absolutely not. Everything hurts more in the cold. And uh, I don't think I could move. I don't think I could physically get it done. I think that I can condition myself to be able to withstand the the temperature uh, in the high end than being able to, su- su- to survive in, in zero degree weather. So give me give me the heat. Surprisingly, I uh, I certainly have a unique perspective uh, on this question. I mean, because I grew up in Phoenix and obviously it's high, so I played football and and ran track in the Arizona summers, uh, which is extremely hot. But then I also played uh, in the CFL, and which is extremely, 
you code. And let me tell you, I've ha I've had some tough uh, tough experiences. You know, in life, I played as a fraternity in college. Uh, I have done some things that have been extremely challenging. But I promise you, there is very few. There are very few things that are tougher than playing football in the cold weather on turf. Very few things. And if you want to know what that feels like. Find the coldest that your city is and go outside and find a pole and hit your hand against that pole as hard as you can. And that's that that's what it feels like tackling in the cold. I mean, so I would take playing in the heat any day of the week over playing in the cold. I mean, because that's just it's just brutal, especially if you're playing on turf. It's just it's tough. So I'll take the heat any day. Yeah, it's it's nothing stings quite like a fully flush hit in sub-freezing temperatures. So count me in for playing in the heat and a hard, hard pass on playing in zero-degree weather. No thanks. Guys, that is going to do it for us today on Takes on Takes. 40 minutes of unbridled hot takes courtesy of TDM Premium subscribers and followers on Twitter. You guys did not disappoint Super thrilled to have Dre's perspective on the show today. I think we're going to have to do this again. So, Dre, I hope you enjoyed yourself because we're going to drag you back either way. It's part of the job description now, so you're stuck with it. But Absolutely. I'm glad you could be exposed to the insanity that is takes on takes. Uh, I am glad all of you carved some time out of your day to listen to today's takes on takes. Episode 99 of this concept next week episode 100 of takes on takes uh we will be sure to celebrate and tomorrow on the show we will continue with our hypothetical expansion draft for the san diego scouts we're going to do three more teams pick five players per roster eligible that we will be making eligible for this expansion draft we'll be finishing their 2020 season projections as well as far as wins and losses so lots to look forward to the rest of this week make sure you hit subscribe on the pod come back and see us kyle Krabs, joe marino dre harris signing off for the draft dudes podcast thanks as always for listening come back and see us again tomorrow Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.